This program does not provide medical advice. We assume no liability for the information provided on MindForce Radio. Please consult your physician before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. This is Roger LaPointe, and I have known Bob Whalen for many years at this point, and he is one of the most intense individuals you will ever meet. Go MindForce Radio. From Mind Force Radio, this is Natural Strength Night with Maximum Bob. On Natural Strength Night, we don't talk about the other things Bob likes to talk about. Tonight, we only talk strength training. When I say strength training, I don't mean training like punk-ass goons in the muscle magazines who jacked up on juice, steroids, and PEDs. I mean natural strength. Strength built on good food, heavy weights, and no shortcuts. If you want to learn about real natural strength, weight training the right way, the old school way, stick around. Bob and his friends just might teach you something. He's here, the host of Natural Strength Night, Maximum Bob Whalen. Tonight's guest is one of my regulars, and he's been on the show several times. Ted Harrison. Ted competed as a natural bodybuilder in the UK. He is a certified high-intensity training specialist. He's trained thousands of clients as a personal trainer, and he has over 40 years' experience in strength training the right way, with no drugs, no fads, and no gimmicks. He now runs Vital Exercise, one of the best high-intensity training facilities in the UK. Vital Exercise is a private personal coaching studio where Ted trains you one-on-one. If you live anywhere near Colchester in the UK, you need to look up Ted for some great training. For more information, go to the website. It's vitalexercise.com. That's V-I-T-A-L exercise.com. Yo, Ted, buddy, welcome back to Natural Strength Night. Thanks very much for having me, Bob. It's always a pleasure. Let's jump right in. So, Ted, the first question, what is the core philosophy of your personal training business that you try to get across to your clients? Well, I have a little induction ceremony when, they, when the clients come in, and I try and lay out you know, very clearly the difference between you know, what I do in my gym and what uh, is commonly done in other um, commercial settings. I mean, it's very obvious when a, when a client walks into my place, it's very, um, it's very quiet because it's private and it's quite stark, it, you know, it's rather like, um, it's quite clinical in, in some ways. And I think uh, there's, no, there's no pictures of muscle men um, um, on the walls, you know, there's no couple of pictures of John Grimmick and, and uh, some others, but there's nothing of, of the modern day. And there's posters of the muscular system and um, uh, the, the skeletal system and the notes about obesity on the walls and stuff like that. So it's quite a it's quite a different setting than most gyms, and I think that kind of sets a tone without me even to say, say anything initially. 
Uh, and then, you know, we sit down and I just I explain to my clients that my philosophy is, is basically it's all about strength. It's about increasing the strength of the muscles um, first and foremost, and, and that's what we're going to be concerned with. I explain to them that the muscles are, you know, you know how, how vital they are to human movement and that, that they are, in fact, you know, the windows, the engine of the body, and everything else comes along with increases in strength and uh, size. I make it very uh, clear to them that size increases is, is, is genetically determined by, by and large. But, but even um, uh, some sort of increase in, on a microscopic level is a size increase um, of, of the muscle and that they mustn't be frightened of that because obviously, and I'm sure you've had this uh, concern from clients, Bob, is that particularly women, they're very concerned of turning into Mrs. Universe. You know, they don't want to get huge. Like it's going to happen by accident, right? Yeah, sure. You know, so I have to go through that um, to, to sort of put their mind at rest while at the same time keeping my uh, philosophy in front of them that it is about strength and they mustn't be frightened of getting strong. And it generally takes a little while for them to to um, understand that, you know, because it's something that has to be physically understood. It's not something you can really um, talk to. <laughs> you know, you can't put it in their brain. This is something that needs to be experienced physically. And after about 10 sessions, generally, it takes that long. They're either going to stay and become, you know, a dedicated client, or they're not going to they're not going to hack it. So. Right. Um, after that, you know, I've given the brief introduction, run them through the fact that my core philosophy is basically to get them as strong as possible in the safest manner possible. So I explain all about safety being paramount. Um, and, and we go from there, and that is my core philosophy, strength. Do you cover steroid use and how almost all the bodybuilders that are, that are world-class for the last, what, 30 or 40 years have been using steroids? Yeah, I do. I mean, it comes up because of the size issue, you know, the worries about getting too big. That it, it, you know, it, it comes up that you have to have to say that. And I just, you know, run through the, <laughs> the various negative right. uh, consequences of their use and, that, and basically just explain it like you have, Bob, that, that, that you cannot get these massive muscles that exist in today's bodybuilding world and, and uh, of yesteryear too without taking, you know, pharmaceutical drugs, you know. Um, uh, so, yeah, it does come up. What about mirrors? I don't have a mirror, no. No mirrors at all. Same with me. That's awesome. Your, your, your place is almost exactly like how I have mine set up, and I do the same thing. I have a, I used to have a two-hour clinic I would give them, like a two-hour orientation, I should say, and we didn't lift any weights. It was like the, their first paid session. They would come in and just hear me talk for two hours, and I would go over everything with them, before we even lifted a weight. And then, uh, that was before the internet, that's why it took so long, but then after the internet came out and then after I had my website, then I lowered it to one hour because I could have them read stuff on my website. But uh, I think that's great that you do that because if, if people don't, um, you know, because what, what we do is our passion. It's our, our philosophy is the, is the main reason we're doing this. We're not really doing it for money, but if you, if you follow your passion, you should money usually flows to it as a as a as a consequence but that's not really the goal of what we're doing 
that is just one more thing regarding that. I mean, that is basically the um, the business philosophy in relation to the clients that I have. It is to uh, do some good with these, these these clients to try and make them healthy. And I don't do any advertising of you know of such. I, I, there's nothing like that. It's just my philosophy is to do a good job and then completely work on referrals. And that's how I've sort of been building my business up over the last couple of years is just based on referrals. And I also don't, I, I'm not frightened to say to a client that it's not for them. If, it, if, it, if, it, if it's not fitting, if they're not willing to give the effort necessary, it's just not, it's just not them, then I will say that I will refund the money and, and say that this is, it's not for you. I can't, I can't work with you as a client. You need to find somebody else. And I've done that. Um, and, I, yep. and, and I've stuck to that, and it's worked very well. I've done that, too. I've done that to several people. I, I usually – I wrote about this in Hard Gainer, and I kind of made it funny, but it's – even though I try to make it funny, it, it is totally serious because I have what I call the phone test. When I talk to people, I ask them as many questions as they ask me. Uh, it's not just the client interviewing me. It's me interviewing them to see if they're – right to match my training and match my philosophy. Yeah. Also, I ask them questions about their, their habits and things. It's not just steroids. Do you use drugs recreationally? Do you smoke cigarettes? If, if, a, yeah. client smokes, if a client smokes, I won't train them. I say quit yeah. and let me know when you quit. Um, I, I have a few that lied about that. I had one guy come in, and I swear, because I can, you can smell it on people, right? I, I had a, yeah. I've had to fire people on the spot because they were lying to me about smoking, and I could smell them. I said, you know, you're stupid. If you're going to come here after you smoke, I can smell it on you. You better take a shower and use mouthwash and do everything before you come in here if you want to think you're going to get away with it because you're not going to get away with it with me, right? But, uh, no, I no. think that's great because in the long run, though, the clients that you do have are going to respect you and love you and be loyal to you because you're yeah. strict like that. So I think it's good that you're doing that. That's awesome, Ted. Now, the, the, the next question is, uh, in the entire realm of physical culture, you know, who influenced you the most and why? Well, I mean, Arthur Jones, of, of course, was a tremendous influence. I actually found Arthur Jones through, um, through reading Mike Mentzer's work and, and training on his heavy-duty system. So uh, both of those guys were tremendously um influential to me because you know up until then i was training you know the you know in the 70s and i was doing you know the arnold routines you know six days a week um you know 20 sets of body parts and i was just a little kid you know i was just obviously i wasn't getting anywhere but then you know i i stumbled upon mike mensa and um drastically lowered the volume so that made a huge difference um, so tremendously influential there, those two, Mike and, and uh, Arthur Jones. Stuart McRobert, um, with his Hard Gainer magazine, was just absolutely groundbreaking. You know, he, he was tremendously influential, really cut through a lot of the bullshit and sort of showed you stuff which it was like head-slapping yourself. Why didn't I think of that? You know, that was, he right. was terrific like that. And so he's great. Through him, Dr. Ken. You know, I mean, who doesn't love Dr. Ken? If you're into strength training, he's like an icon, isn't he? I mean, Dr. Ken's just wonderful. Um, oh, yeah. Tremendously inspiring individual. Um, and I've got to say, Bob, and I'm not blowing smoke here, it's just, you, know, you have been tremendously influential to me. I mean, you, you know, your influence is all over my gym, all over my philosophy. So, 
I've got to say that you're you're right up there, and um, you know all of your writings and books I've got, and your tapes and your videos, and I've watched them all. So you've got to be in there, buddy. I've got to give you an inclusion. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> Ted, thank you so much. No, I really appreciate that. You know, I'll tell you, my biggest influences were probably my earliest ones would be Bob Hoffman and John Grimmick, of course, because I mean, probably for the yeah. first. Ten years of my training, that's all I read was strength and health and, and muscular development. One of the, the biggest writers that influenced me was Brad Steiner because I had some of his books and I read all, read all of his articles. And So uh, Brad yeah. Steiner and York, just all the York stuff and Brad Steiner in my earliest years were probably my biggest. And Jack LaLanne. Jack LaLanne was just, I used to watch that show all the time, so he was like my, my role model. Steiner's great because he comes back to that philosophy which you which you pushed as well, Bob. He's very well rounded, wasn't he? He was a martial artist as well as into strength, you know. Yeah, I mean I love him yeah. and Brad's a no bullshit kind of guy. I mean he just yeah. tells it like it is and he's blunt. He's not flowery. He doesn't like go on and on and on and you gotta wonder what he means. No, he says exactly what he means. He's very clear and he he tells you just flat out, and he's he's just he's a great writer. He's motivating too. I, I had a article that he wrote, uh, must have been like '69 or '70, and I remember the, I think it was in muscular muscular development, and the whatever the article was, it had a picture of Chris Dickerson on the article. But I I framed that article because it was so motivating. I had it in my basement for at least five or six years, and. When I was a kid, first starting out and all through high school, I mean, that, that was down there. After Brad Steiner, Bill Pearl was up there, too. And then uh, I moved on to uh, Perry Rader. Then he, Perry Rader was huge to me, but I didn't find out about Perry Rader right away. Probably my first, uh, first 10 years or so, it was mainly York and Jack LaLanne and uh, Brad Steiner and Bill Pearl. And, uh, but then when I was in the Air Force, a guy told me about Iron Man magazine. I never heard of it because, I mean, it wasn't on the newsstands. So I yeah. signed up based on this friend of mine in, in the weight room in 1975 at Castle Air Force Base in California. And then, man, once I signed up for, for Iron Man, that was it. I mean, I mainly read Iron Man after that until 86 when uh, Perry sold the magazine. Then it went down downhill, and I stopped reading it after that. In terms of influence, <laughs> I wish I'd have done it your way, you know, because I think the, the Iron Man and, the, and um, we had strength and health over here, but it's all black and white. And it was compared to, compared to, to Weeders magazines, they were quite, you know, strength and health was quite boring, really. But right. in, in hindsight, I wish I could have laid my hands on some Iron Man because that's the way they were a little bit more um, real, weren't they? You know, their information was a little bit more real. They talked a lot about squats and, you know, um, there was... Um, Lots of great articles about the drug free trainees. They weren't they weren't ashamed of that. So yeah, it was that was a great magazine. Yeah. What what about health and strength? I think that's still going. That's like the oldest continuing physical culture magazine in the world, and that's that's in your neck of the woods, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what I did. I get it back to the front there. Strength and health and health and strength. Yeah. Health and strength was yeah, the English did. one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Health and strength is the English one, and that was first. Did you ever see that as a kid? Uh, no, it was around. You saw it. I mean, you, you, it wasn't like those days, was it, Bob? It, nowadays, it's you know, muscle magazines and you know, are on every newsstand. But back then, it was you never saw them as much, did you? There wasn't around. I mean, I, because you're always on the lookout, you, you see the odd one, 
Um, it's such a long time ago now. But, but yeah, I mean, you used to see the odd one, but nothing like it is now. I was just lucky in 1964, I think when I was 10, you know, I was in this little drugstore called an apothecary. It was in Sherburn, Massachusetts, about 20 miles outside of Boston. And I just happened to see this magazine, Muscular Development. And it was like the, the first year it came out, because that magazine just started in 64. John Grimmick on the cover. And I bought it. That really got me started, because from that point on, I started, uh, in, I started being interested in getting stronger with other things besides just doing push-ups. I mean, because my, my father had me doing push-ups and pull-ups. When I bought that magazine, that gave me the first motivation to start doing other things. And then I began lifting odd objects in in my basement because my father brought home stuff from work. He was an electrician. He used to sell scrap iron just to make extra money. So he would just bring home pieces of pipe and pieces of lead and all kinds of different things. He had some heavy stuff down there for a 10-year-old, you know. So I would be lifting that stuff at first until I got my first barbell. They don't understand, Bob, do they? A lot of the, the, the younger generation now, they don't really understand what it was like back then. You know, it was a different, different world, wasn't it? We had our own little cult. Yeah, because most people yeah. didn't know. Most people were ignorant about strength training. And the ones you did tell, you know, they were ignorant about it, and they, would, they believed all these rumors about it. And most coaches and most adults were against it. So you were, you were kind of in a small little cult of people that did it. But actually, the brotherhood was better back then. Most people didn't lift. So when you found someone that did, you know, you felt like you were in a brotherhood. You know, like you're a lifter, man. You'd shake yeah. his hand and hug him, and we're in a brotherhood, you know. It's not like it is now. Yeah. I mean, you go in the gym now, and they're full of a-holes. true, Bob. It's very true. You know, you didn't know as well um, what was going on. You know, anywhere, all you've got to do now is switch the computer on and go on the Internet, and you know what's going on. But... You know, throughout strength training, bodybuilding, and you know, strongman, whatever you want, it's just a click of the switch now. But back in my day and yours, Bob, it was like you just didn't know. You had to wait for the magazine to arrive, and it was, you know, in England that could be three months after the event, you know, whatever it was. So it was a different thing, you know. Sending off, uh, we used to send off money orders, international money orders, to get courses from America, and like you'd send it off, and then you wouldn't get it for six months. It was amazing. Yeah, I remember how happy you were when you got that magazine. I mean, I remember when I used to wait and get Iron Man in the mail. I think I was in in California, then in Germany. And I remember I was so happy to get the – because I think it didn't even come out every month, did it? It came out every other month or something like that. But it's uh, when yeah, it finally did come, before. it was the – yeah, it was the happiest feeling when you got that in the mail and you opened that envelope. It just uh, wow, it was so great. Yeah, it was just yeah. I read every single word in that magazine, and I read it over and over and over. And uh, I was sad when I read it all. I was like, oh shit, I got to wait now another two months to get another one of these. Yeah. Iron Man is where I got influenced to really cut back my training because Perry Rader, I got to give him all the credit because he kept saying over and over to cut back to twice a week and then as soon as i did that i got a lot stronger ted let's go to the next one what is your belief do you believe you should supplement your strength training with a little bit of cardio if not why not um i'm i'm quite a, a big believer in um high intensity interval training on um you know on a bike or an airdyne or something like that i think that works a lot better in my opinion for fat loss and for um, overall cardiovascular conditioning, it works a lot better than um, 
than uh, you know long steady state work. Um, there is a you know the hard the, the harder the muscle works, the greater the demands it will place on the on the heart and the circulatory system. So you do get a tremendous amount of uh, metabolic conditioning, cardiovascular conditioning, just from strength training. Um, when you when you when you think about it. Um, you know, the, uh, the, everything services the muscles. The muscles are driving the action, and the harder the muscles work, the harder everything's going to have to work to to do that. There isn't. It, it seems to be that there. The, the current thinking is that there isn't really. A, you know, there isn't a separate pathway. You're just a separate cardiovascular pathway. Every. You know, they're all all of these. You know, uh, aerobic pathway and the anaerobic pathways are all interjoined and into into entwined. So with that understanding, I think people are coming to, and I certainly am coming to the understanding that you don't need, you know, 30 minutes three or four times a week of steady state cardio. But but the um, the fat loss that you get from high intensity interval training, I don't think that can be duplicated by just strength training. I think that hitting the hitting the bike a couple of times a week for you know four or five 30-second spurts with an appropriate recovery. I think that has a tremendous effect on fat burning. Um, so I'm not knocking it. I don't do it personally, and I don't recommend my, my clients do steady-state cardiovascular work. But we do do work on the bike. We do do high-intensity interval training on the bike. So that's where I stand on that, really. The cardio I recommend to my clients is the same thing you just said. It's shorter and higher in intensity. Like on the Stairmaster, I would yeah. set it on interval. I think adding a little bit of that can be helpful, especially when you get older. If you were going to describe my philosophy, the one I'm closest to would be probably what people call HIT, and I think you too. But even the word yeah. HIT was made wrong because they left out the most important word, strength. I mean, it should be HIST. You know, it should be H-I-S. T, not hit. You know, they left out strength. It should be yeah. high intensity strength training, right? You got the hit guys and you got the slow guys, and they never mention poundage. You know, most of them don't, anyways. And you got you know the Bowflex commercials with the skinny, weak, cut guys that have just good abs and a tan, not much muscle. Yeah. They're just like male models, good yeah. abs and a tan. Then you go to the light kettlebell crowd who think they're doing strength training. All they're doing is juggling light kettlebells. They're not heavy kettlebells like the old timers. They're light kettlebells, and they kind of weasel their way into strength training. That's not strength training either. You know, you, you got just a, a lot of just about everything in the field practically is trying to weasel their way into strength training. Somebody wrote on your page about boot camp training, and they were trying to call it strength training. And I loved your answer. There's a difference between resistance training, isn't there? Resistance training and strength training. That's that's well, we, we have a lack of there's a, a lack of a definition. I think in some some respects is not doing any of us any favors because it you know if you if you uh, you can get resistance from your body weight, a rubber band, a sandbag, a kettle, light kettlebell. That's resistance, some kind of resistance to work against. If it's progressive, though, we'll be back with more right after this. This segment brought to you by VitalNutritionStore.com. Did you know that more than 7 million Americans suffer from coronary heart disease, the most common form of heart disease? 
Regardless of your age or condition, adding Cardio for Life to your daily regime will dramatically improve your cardiovascular condition. Cardio for Life has been the top-selling Enlarginine product in the marketplace now for more than three years. It is also the top-selling product at vitalnutritionstore.com. Formulated by Dr. Harry Elwart, the best-selling author of Let's Stop the Number One Killer of Americans Today, Dr. Harry believes together we can prevent and reverse heart disease. Cardio for Life comes in three wonderful flavors, orange, peach, and grape, and is gluten-free, sugar-free, and sodium-free. Please see our complete line of natural products at vitalnutritionstore.com. That's V-I-T-A-L nutritionstore.com. Randy Roach shocked the world with the release of his first volume of Muscle Smoke and Mirrors several years ago. It was a masterpiece of over 500 pages with such in-depth research and detail that it was not only surprising, but shocking and mind-blowing. It was truly one of the best Iron Game history books ever written. He followed that with Volume 2, another epic book with over 700 pages of equal depth and detail. All serious Iron Game fans need to have these books. Please visit Randy's website at randyroach.ca. That's R-A-N-D-Y-R-O-A-C-H dot C-A. Listen to how Iron Game legend and the Iron Master editor, Osmo Kihaw, describes the book Supernatural Strength. Have you ever wondered how much real-world experience authors have when they write books about weight training? Who is that person behind the computer? What do they really know about the Iron Game? If you picked up this book, Supernatural Strength, you have definitely come to the right place. The author, Bob Whalen, has spent several decades in the Iron Game trenches training himself, competing and coaching in powerlifting, earning academic credentials too numerous to mention, and thousands of hours of training and instructing athletes and trainees of all levels at his Washington, D.C. gym since 1990. He's not only devoted his life to motivating and pushing people to heights they have never been to, but elevating the trainees' understanding why certain methods work better than others. Bob is one of the most respected and revered trainers in the business today. This book is sure to surprise and amaze you at the same time. Order now at SupernaturalStrength.com. That's SupernaturalStrength.com. Don't you think it would be so much easier getting into shape if you had a personal coach? Just like all the celebrities do. Well, now you can. Bob Whalen of WebStrengthCoach.com wants to get you out of your rut and coach you to success. He's dedicated to helping you achieve your strength and fitness goals through your hard work and his expert guidance. Bob will help you with strength training, muscle building, fitness, nutrition, and motivation. He'll make sure you achieve your maximum physical potential. You can get one-on-one training with Bob through his website webstrengthcoach.com he will develop a personalized program tailored to your individual needs a program right for you bob will give you feedback after every workout this is old school fitness and nutrition no fads and no gimmicks bob will use proven natural techniques to make sure you are satisfied so visit webstrengthcoach.com today and let bob help you reach your best self webstrengthcoach.com Do you enjoy history without social engineering? Reading about our founding fathers? Economics from a capitalist perspective? Wisdom from modern patriots? Welcome to UncleSamBooks.com, where virtues like rugged individualism, hard work, and the American dream dominate. UncleSamBooks.com. Great books for homeschooling. UncleSamBooks.com. 
If you want to become as strong and muscular as possible with health in mind and without lowering yourself to using steroids, the best advice can be found in the classic strongman books of long ago. These are the best books ever written on the subjects of strength training, weightlifting, strongman training, iron game history, and old-time physical culture. Many of them can still be found at physicalculturebooks.com. There you will find good, honest, time-tested wisdom from the great old-time strongmen to maximize your natural muscular and strength potential. Please visit physicalculturebooks.com. Listen to Ken Manny, head strength and conditioning coach at Michigan State University, describe the book Iron Nation. A masterpiece text on some of the most intriguing and compelling personal stories, Iron Game history, and gut-wrenching training routines ever put to paper. If you truly love hard training without all the frills of pomp and circumstance so common today, you will love Iron Nation. Written by lifters for lifters. If you love weight training, you will love Iron Nation. Order now at ironnation.com. That's I-R-O-N nation.com. If you would like to promote your business on MindForce Radio, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know if you are interested in a 30- or 60-second voice commercial or a banner website ad. Please contact Bob using the contact information provided on MindForceRadio.com. You're listening to Natural Strength Night on MindForce Radio. To me, to me, it, uh, they mean the same thing. Usually, when I say when, when someone says they're doing strength training to me or they're doing resistance training, I, I pretty much view it as the same thing. The average person, like you know, when they call you about training, they don't even know what what strength training is, and even resistance no. training, they don't know. They don't really know what it is. The whole principle of what makes it work is the progression, right? E- even if you're yeah. going to call it resistance training. If you don't increase the resistance, what's the point? You know, if you're going to just use the same resistance, it's not really going to work. But so you, you can talk about tension all you want. You can talk about going to failure all you want. You can talk about time under load all you want. But if you don't increase that load, what good is it? You're burning calories. Yeah, yeah you're burning calories. Yeah. And they, they assume that the very act of working against resistance has some sort of toning effect on the body. You know, without um, without the need for progression, you know, that if you get down and you can do 50 push-ups and you just keep doing 50 push-ups, you, you know, you go, you, you, they think, you know, the average person would think that that is enough and that will make you, you know, a lean-toned sort of physique. But, of course, as we know, right. that isn't true. That isn't true. You know, you need, you need to, to be continually overloading the body in a safe and progressive manner. That is strength training. I really do think a lot of this is to do with uh, a lack of clear definitions. It's like we need to come down on the on the side of one one thing. It's the same with high intensity training. You know, we we need to come down very sort of. It probably never happened, but we 
to come down on something. No, this is strength training. Working with, you know, something that allows you to progressively increase the load and, you know, to, to get a very clear definition. They just don't emphasize it enough. They emphasize other parts of intensity, but even though they know that adding poundage is, is key, they still don't put emphasis on that enough, in my opinion. To me, that's the key. I mean, the brotherhood of iron that makes us all united. If yeah. you lay on the couch and do nothing and you go do push-ups, well, you're going to get stronger. See, the whole definition is confusing because when people, the average person, when they hear about strength training, they pretty much include almost everything in it, and they can easily get pulled into different areas. I mean, if you're doing light kettlebells, well, that's going to make you stronger than laying around and doing nothing. But it's kind of a different exercise. It's not really strength training. Once you adapt to it, it depends on how heavy those dumbbells are. It's a, it's kind of a different activity. It's not the traditional strength training. And if you're doing just calisthenics, yeah, you'll get stronger than laying around, laying around and watching TV, but you're going to plateau out pretty quick because it's only your body weight. You're not increasing the resistance like if, if you do 50 push-ups or you do 90 push-ups you're not really any stronger you, you're just increasing your muscular endurance yeah but you know yeah. the average person doesn't see it that way it's, it's just right. like if you're going if you're going fishing and you're pulling in a fish and you got a fishing line and it's tested at let's say a hundred pound test that's how strong the line is and you can pull in fish all day under a hundred pounds it doesn't it doesn't matter you pull in a hundred fish that weigh 80 pounds you're not really testing that line because it's under the limit of that line you can do light stuff all you want that's why the whole definition of strength training is uh, makes people get confused because they're losing the focus of what strength training is the, the poundage is yeah. strength training that's what it is it's not about how many times you can do it how slow you can do it the next one I know there's lots of good information. Like, you know, we just had Bill Pache on the show, and one of the best sites is Cyberpump. And I think mine's one of the best, naturalstrength.com. So not, not all the, the sites out there are trying to rip you off and give you false information. But what do you think about social media today and its role in strength training information, both positive and negative? Well, I guess much like the last question, it's kind of muddy, really. It's muddy waters because some of it, is tremendously um, beneficial and educational, and some of it is, you know, is bullshit. When you have sites out there and you've got guys who have been in the game for five years or sometimes a lot less than that, and they're bringing out, you know, spiral-bound books or, or, you know, downloads for your computer, and they're selling them to people for 50 and 60 $70 a time, you know, I think that is it's really a, a, a black mark against the, that of that form of strength training uh, advertising it's very bad and, and and kids are getting ripped off by um that kind of thing they're getting ripped off a lot by supplementation as well the the trouble with having such a, an enormous amount of information is it's tremendously confusing and it's very confusing mm -hmm. if you don't know where you're coming from in the first place what, what that has enabled people on the internet to do marketeers and uh, some unscrupulous people on the internet is taking advantage of people's ignorance selling them stuff mm -hmm. that they don't need supplements or or, or uh, information in in book form or downloads at enormous enormous prices that these kids just don't need 
anyone can be an expert on the internet, you know. So it's it's That's very right. dangerous in that respect, and 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 can can be uh, almost criminal in its usage. And I'm I'm very concerned about that. But on the other side of the coin, we also have tremendous um, lots of like you say, your site and Bill's site. Um, and many others of, of quality, not as many as the bad ones, unfortunately. But so it's a mixed blessing. That, that's how I could sum up social media. It's a mixed blessing. What is the essence of your diet now? I saw your picture recently. You look pretty good. I mean, you look cut. You have low body fat. Remember that picture you sent me uh, recently? Oh, and it was a. Yeah. Didn't you have a birthday recently or something? Yeah, I was 53. Um, yeah, I, th I think in, it was on. You, you said something like, "I look good for an old fart." Or something like that, but it's uh, no, but you, you, you <laughs> I had a birthday recently too, I just turned 60 in August. But you, you look really good. What do you do uh, nutrition wise to keep your body fat so low? I eat pretty clean, uh, six days a week, and then I eat what the hell I, uh, I want uh, on a Saturday. So I eat clean from, I eat from Sunday through to, to, to Friday, and then Saturday. I eat what the hell I want. That's, that's how I work it. And I just eat normal food, you know. I don't eat as many mm -hmm. carbohydrates as I used to now. I've, I've, knocked, I've knocked out bread, more or less. I don't, eat, I don't eat bread. And I think if I could just give one thing that's enabled me to, to keep m muscle mass and reduce body fat, it is not eating as much bread. You know, I, I, I don't really eat bread anymore. That and I, I, I tend to keep my protein a little bit higher than I used to. I was always eating around 80 to 90 grams of protein a day, and I've now gone to about 150. So I do eat a oh, little okay. bit more protein. Do you eat much dairy? Um, I eat Greek yogurt for, for dairy, yeah. Yeah, and, I do too. And, I, yeah, I like eggs. Greek yogurt. I think that's great. It makes a great dessert, doesn't it? And you can mix your protein powder in it and with some strawberries. It's, it's, it's great. It's a very flexible uh, dietary ingredient. But yeah, I mean, I just I just eat clean, Bob. You know. Are you a high volume water drinker, or uh, some people drink, drink extreme amounts of water, like Bill? Remember, we, we were joking about. I said you must have to piss like a racehorse. I think he uh, drinks like two gallons of water a day, but it works for him. Look at him; he's he's ripped like Clarence Bass. You know, how much uh, oh, water amazing. a day do you try to drink? I I always start the day off with two glasses of water before I do anything. You know, and I, I like my coffee in the morning, but I always drink two full glass, eight ounce glasses of water in the morning, and then I just drink water throughout the day. You know, I'm not, I don't carry a water bottle with me, but you know, I have water in the gym where I'm working. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I just, I, I, I really drink by thirst, and I guess, I, I guess just growing up with that information of eight glasses of water a day, which we all grew up with in this game. Um, I guess right. I'm, I hit that pretty. I don't like to be too far away from a drink of water. What do you recommend for people if they get stale or they want to change their routine too much? If you really want to keep track of your progression, um, how often do you tell someone just asks you for advice how often to change their routine? I think the first thing that's necessary is to keep good records. I think if you've got good records of, of exercises, sequence of exercises, and the weight being lifted, and the you know, and the number of repetitions being performed, that gives you a good metric which you can you can change your training around. So you've always got that to refer to. You can, for instance, if if you've been doing the bench press for three months, 
and you're sick of it and you want to change. And then you want to change to, to, to the dip. You want to do dips for a change. Then you can refer back, and this is what I do, and you can refer back to your notes and see the kind of weights and repetitions you were using. And then you start off light for a couple of weeks and gradually increase the weight um, until you're hitting those kind of uh, those kind of numbers again. So you're not just throwing pebbles at a wall. You know, you're, you can change right. your routine, providing you've got some kind of adequate record keeping which will allow you to, to judge those changes by. I believe that change is, is necessary. I think you, and the more experienced you get, the more um, easier it is to, to, to work change in to your routine without making a mistake. I think if, you're a, if you are a beginner or an intermediate, you need to give a routine time to work. You know, you must, you must allow the poundages to creep up. You know, you've got, to, you've got to get in there and do the work regularly, grind away until you've got a base. Because a lot of people are changing right. their routines and, and altering their, their, their whole system of training, uh, like jumping, like Dave Tate says, jumping from lily pad to lily pad like a frog. You must stay, you know, with one routine until you have de developed a base with which to formulate a change from. I you know, totally it's, agree. It's, it's not too many people change too quickly without giving the routine enough chance to work because... This is another exactly. that comes back to social media. You'll go on to you'll go on to social media, find another a guy who's telling you to do this, doubt your own training and change again, and that is the way that is the way that they, the reason that a lot of guys don't progress, you know. And they talk about shocking their muscles and they you it, it, you can shock your muscles all you want. If you're shocking them too much and you're not keeping track of the weight, and you're not you're not adding weight, you're not going to get stronger. Shocking your muscles doesn't get you stronger. It's like adding poundage gets you stronger. And if you change your routine too much, how are you going to keep track of what you're doing? This, this is mainly for beginners, like you said. Like once you've been lifting for 10 years or more and you, you pretty much know what you can do and you can check – you have a, a long history of your records, then it's not as important for those people. But if you're a beginner especially, you have to keep track of your notes and your progression, and you also got to keep track of your sequence. You can't, you can't change the order around either because, you know, let's suppose you're trying to measure your military press and, you, and you're doing it near the end of your workout or at the beginning. But if you change the order and you have no uh, set way of, doing your routine, if you just change it every time, it's going to be drastically different if you're doing it at the beginning or at the end of the workout. You know, so I usually tell beginners, yeah, it is good to change your routine, but I would give it three or four months before I change it. You know, you got to give it time to see it work. Maybe once a month you can have a change of pace day, like a 50s, 50s day or something like that. But I would say for the so, most yeah. part, yeah. Keep, it, keep it the same for three or four months and then change it. And we get time for one more question. What do you think the biggest mistakes are that your clients make regarding nutrition? If they're, if they're over fat and they're, and they're struggling to lose weight, I find it very, very uh, obvious when they talk to me now that, that you've got two food groups which are adding, the, adding unnecessary calories to their diet, and that is alcohol and bread. There's too much wine being uh, drunk every night, two and three glasses of wine every night, sometimes a bottle of wine. Uh, and bread is – now, bread's a great thing. I'm not knocking bread because it, is, it has 
fed people, people who couldn't afford a decent meal for years. I ain't knocking bread. But it's right. unnecessary in a diet where somebody is trying to lose weight. It's not, it doesn't really bring anything to the table, for, to use that metaphor. Bread doesn't. Mm -hmm. So um, if, if my, if I don't give dietary advice to my clients except for that. Stop drinking so much alcohol and stop eating bread. And when I tell them that, the weight begins to fall off them within like a week or two. No, you're exactly right. With my clients, it's the same way. I usually tell them at the beginning, I can't promise you anything regarding fat loss. It makes it more complicated unless, unless you're going to go home with them and they're going to hire you to be a security guard and stand in front of their refrigerator, then you can't be responsible for their fat loss because all you can do is make them work when you see them. I usually tell my clients what I will do is burn calories. I will make you burn calories when you see me. All I can do is be responsible for the two hours a week that I see you. So there's going to be, what, 150 yeah. or something hours when you're by yourself. You know, you're going to have to you know, control the calories you put in. And like you said, the, usually the, the little secret, the little uh, secret that people don't want to talk about is alcohol. You're exactly right because you can ask them about junk food. You can ask them about all these different things, but they don't want to talk about alcohol. And that's usually the, the, the one thing that, that people just uh, – don't want to mention to you when you give them give them that first orientation. <laughs> it's the hidden little secret, yeah. right, Ted? Yeah, wine has become a big, big thing um, socially and you know within the house now. It's, it's. I mean, again, I'm not knocking wine. I like a glass of wine, but um, when it becomes um, a habit um, of drinking three or four glasses of wine every night to, because it is a compliment to your meal. You know, but basically you're getting half loaded every night, you know, to help relieve stress or, you know, whatever problems you're going through. Um, it's adding so many calories to, uh, you know, to, to your diet, as well as all the other detrimental effects it has on you. Um, but really, you need to find another way of stress relief. You, you know, you should never be doing that. And that is, I see that a lot. And it is a bit of an undercover thing, Bob, with, with a lot of people. You know, I mean, even myself, I mean, you, you get into the habit. A few years ago, I was in that habit, you know, drinking wine every night. I was coming in, and, and the first thing I'd do, I'd come in and have a glass of wine, and then I'd have another glass of wine with my meal. And, right. you know, a few months later, I, I had a, you know, I'd, I'd never had a big stomach in my life, and all of a sudden I was struggling to do my, 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 my belt up. You know, it all adds <laughs> up, so they, those things got to go. About the only alcoholic drink I drink right now is wine. It's been pretty much just red wine. I try to do, just like you have a day, you have like a garbage day or a poison day, one day a week when you can kind of eat whatever you want. I kind of have that too. And, I, and Saturday is, is my day too. That's my, that's my red wine day, Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> I try yeah. not to have it at all the rest of the week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, me too. Well, Ted, buddy, I just want to let you know it, it's always great talking to you. We have a bonding. I mean, you know, it's, it's easy to talk to you because, I mean, we, we pretty much have this uh, – I think our beliefs are almost the same. And I, I love having you on the show. You always give rock-solid information. Remember Ted's website. It's vitalexercise.com. And thanks again, Ted, for being on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me, Bob. Take care, and I'll speak to you again soon. Coming up next, I have a special treat for you. 
I found some old Jack LaLanne shows from the early 1960s. Here is just a few minutes of the great Jack LaLanne when he was a young man. Many of you only know Jack as a guy in his 90s selling juicers. Not me. I grew up watching Jack when he was in his prime. The man was way ahead of his time and a genius. Listen to his wisdom from a half century ago and enjoy. I'd like to chat with you for a few moments about something that's been on my mind for a long while. Have you noticed, I know I notice this all the time, uh, when you're walking down the street or perhaps you're on a streetcar or on a bus, you notice how the people in this great country of ours are so unhappy. You don't see uh, very many smiling people anymore. People have lost the ability to smile. This is right. Next time you walk down the street or you're on a bus or a streetcar, you see what I'm talking about. You see the people with their long faces are out of condition, you know, but they have everything. They have all the money in the world and uh, all these modern conveniences. What's the matter with the people? Well, this is what I think. People have gotten so far away from the natural way they should be living that they have lost the ability to be happy anymore. I remember a few years ago, I was traveling down in uh, South America, one of the Latin countries. And I went down visiting all the different parts, you know, where the poor people are and the rich people. And I remember one day, I took a, a streetcar ride. And I was down in the poorer section. And I'll never forget, this, the streetcar was real full. A lot of these people, you know, their clothes were kind of tattered and torn. They didn't have any money. A lot of them had many, many children. I remember one lady in particular. Uh, she, had, uh, she wasn't dressed uh, very, very good, and her dress was torn, and she had this child with her. And uh, she was uh, nursing her child right on the bus. And you know what she did? She burst out singing. And everybody in the streetcar started to sing. I started to sing right along with them. I didn't know the words. I think I was just humming along. And everybody was smiling. Everybody was happy. Here are these people. They never had enough money hardly for food. They never knew what it was to have an automobile or any modern conveniences, radio or television or any of these things, not even enough clothes to wear. But they were happy. That's the important thing about life, students, is to be happy. What's the good of living? What's the good of making a lot of money? What's the good of having fine clothes and driving a fancy automobile if you're miserable all the time? And I am convinced, if you will spend just a little more time trying to eat better, eat the foods in their natural state, because we have gotten so far away from our natural eating habits, it's pathetic. Eat more fresh food, fresh vegetable, lean cuts of meat. And another thing is to get more physical activity, because we know that this wonderful body of ours cannot be functioning right. It can't be happy, and it can't repair itself properly if you don't give it the right amount of exercise. And we also know if you don't get enough exercise these days, it affects your mind. Your mind worries. You have these tensions and frustrations that people have too much, and you're just kind of down in the dumps, and your body is hanging and sagging. Your face is hanging and sagging. Everything is down. It's not conducive to smiling and being happy. So please, let's get back the way nature intended us to be, with a smile on our face and enjoying all the wonderful things that we have in this great land of ours. Let's appreciate it 24 hours a day. I'm going to help you help yourself. Come on. Don't be a flamingo. You have to do your squat. Don't be a flamingo. Real lifters work their legs. Hey Bob, it's Drew. I just wanted to say hello. It's been a it's been a while. I hope everything's going good. You know, I went into a gym again recently. I, I usually train 
at the house because I have 17 machines and I have about 12,000 pounds of weights. But once in a while, I want to go into a gym. And I noticed that uh, more than ever, I noticed that there are so many people walking around in that gym who have these skinny legs and muscular upper bodies. They do no work on their legs. And it's, it's a, you know... It's, I, you know, you feel like telling them. They wish you could uh, just get the message and train your legs, and you'll get more of a, you'll get a huge kick from it. But they don't do it. So it's a, you know, it's just, a, it's one of those things I noticed. And because um, I have, I haven't gone to a gym in a while. But when I do go, I always, that's one of the things that I always notice that people don't work their legs. They work their upper body, and uh, they walk with their arms about eight inches outside of their, you know, lats. And, uh, you know, those lats are in constant spasm from being uh, ten from having the tension locked. So that's about it. I just noticed that uh, you know, they have those skinny racehorses, legs. Uh, okay, Bob, I'll speak to you soon. You know, we'll talk soon, and uh, take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Don't be a flamingo, you have to do your squats. Don't be a flamingo, real lifters work their legs. That's going to do it for this edition of Natural Strength Night on MindForceRadio.com. Please bookmark that website, MindForceRadio.com. Bob is always looking for new writers for naturalstrength.com who are old school, hardcore, write with passion, and have a strong anti-steroid stance. He also wants your training questions so they can be answered on the show. Please send your articles and training questions to Bob at mindforceradio at earthlink.net. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>